is Seeker. Listen up. We've got to get in, grab the Iguanodon, and get out before that asteroid hits. Let's roll! Also in the news, an entire Jungle Cruise tour group has disappeared in the riverfront region. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our final boarding call and the doors will be closing soon. Please board quickly and safely. Our monorail will be departing momentarily. Thank you. W Radio, your information station. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the WW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I'm your host, Lou Mangiello, and this is show number 678. And together, we're going to celebrate the magic of the Disney parks, movies, and more here on the podcast, my weekly live video on Facebook, community events, blog, and more. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and find everything else at www.radio.com. Join me this week as we take a look at the history, design, story, and details of Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind in Epcot. We'll take a virtual walkthrough of the entire queue and attraction experience, share some of the many Easter eggs we found along the way, answer questions, and address concerns before discussing where this attraction ranks among Walt Disney World's best. Stay tuned for our Disney Trivia Question of the Week, where this week you can win a Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind prize that you can't buy in stores as it is a Walt Disney Imagineering exclusive item. Then stay tuned for more updates and your voicemails at the end of the show. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. When Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige announced in 2010 that a Guardians of the Galaxy movie was in development, there was this overwhelming collective reply of who? Like Korath the Pursuer in in Guardians of the Galaxy replying to Star-Lord saying that he's Star-Lord. But little did we know that after just a few minutes into the film that we would be all in. And little did we know that we'd instantly fall in love with Star-Lord, a very angry raccoon, a tree with an admittedly limited vocabulary, and a vibe that continues to remain unlike anything else in the MCU. And now, 12 years later, we have the second attraction built around these characters and stories, and the first of a few firsts in Walt Disney World. And so this week... Put on your leg warmers and your Z Cavaricis as we take a trip, dare I say a little bit of a wild ride, around the galaxy with some of our favorite super-ish heroes as we look at Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind in Epcot Center. And speaking of a couple of far-out space nuts, please let me know if you get that reference, I am joined once again this week by Becky Mankin from MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. And, and you know that very angry raccoon is my spirit animal, right? And once again, <laughs> no, no, there's a, there's nobody a lot come to back there. Um, oh my god! And once again, uh, I am welcome. I want to welcome back my friend Jeremiah Good from LaughingPlace.com. Uh, I'm putting on some Dracanoir right now as we put on our Z Cavaricis <laughs> too. That's scary. That's scary. <laughs> 
I want to welcome you both back to the show. And thank you, by the way, because the only thing that could have made Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind better was being able to spend the day and the night and the second day and night uh, with you. And full disclosure, we were all invited by Disney uh, to a preview of Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. I will say this at the outset. We will remain somewhat spoiler free-ish, but it's really hard to. So if you don't want to be spoiled, go ride, come back. But I think even you can listen to this with a little bit of spoils because we also want to make sure that we point out some of the things that you absolutely need to pay attention to and look for in and out and throughout the attraction. And this really is a long time coming, not just this podcast, but this attraction, because if you remember, this was first announced back in 2017's D23 Expo when they mentioned that there was going to be this you know, massive overhaul of Epcot Center, and it was later that year that Ellen's Energy Adventure Crisis was closed, and then it was about two years later that they finally revealed the name, which was going to be Cosmic Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. Um, let's talk just for a second about this announcement itself, because if you want to make Disney fans lose their mind, tell them something is going to change. So, uh, Becky and then Jeremiah, give me your thoughts about the announcement and, and the loss of Ellen and the idea of bringing in a new coaster to Epcot Center, and we have to address sort of the Marvel doesn't belong in Epcot conversation that was very quickly brought up on most places. It's a salute to most social media networks, but mostly Twitter. Yeah, pretty much. For me, I was excited because I, you know, I, I'm one of those that doesn't really get torn into the tornado of we're losing something and screaming about it. I always look forward to what's coming. While you know, Ellen's was fun, it did, did actually have a little bit of nostalgia but I was looking so forward to what could possibly take its place because technology has kind of changed since that first made its way onto the Epcot stage. And, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy has always been one of my favorite groups within the Marvel Universe. So knowing that they were going to bring this new flavor into Epcot, it was weird for me, though, because I was thinking, how could they possibly make this fit into the Epcot story they figured out how and it fits brilliantly so personally I was all for it I was excited to see what it was a roller coaster for me however sometimes it can be something that I'm excited about something sometimes I'm not because sometimes they're a little intense so I'm really glad we're having this conversation because I think it'll clear up the mystery for some people who might be concerned about it yeah, I, I could not agree with you more, Becky. For me, Guardians of the Galaxy, <clears throat> Lou, you touched upon it in the intro. When the movie was first announced, uh, you know, I think you and I may be some of the only people that knew how much fun they could be. We never thought that they would become what they did. Like those movies, if I had to put in a movie of the MCU right now and watch it, it would be either one or two for the Guardians. So. I was lucky enough to be at San Diego Comic-Con when they announced Mission Breakout. And that was, you know, you you talk about Disney fans and the change. 
San Diego Comic-Con had every aspect of fan there and the overwhelming cheer coming out of Southern California, which Disney World fans and Epcot fans are, you know, the diehards. But you say something's changing in California, you can almost (laughs) plan for a riot right there. But the Cosmic Rewind, when it was first announced, you know, and the funny thing was, when I was looking back to history, it was announced, what, two months before the attraction closed? Like, it was done, done. And they didn't give us time to go, oh, no, how dare they? I I appreciate how quickly it closed. I would have appreciated opening a little bit quicker, but, you know, we had a pandemic and that kind of stuff. But I, I love this attraction and we'll get into more of the details of what I feel like it later on. Yeah. I think there were, there were a few sort of sentiments and and feelings at play here, right? There's one, the quote unquote loss of Ellen's energy adventure. Look, I don't think there was a lot of people chaining themselves to the fence that they didn't want Ellen's energy adventure to go. I think for a lot of people, it was, Hey, we have two hours to kill. I need a little air conditioning. My baby air conditioning. Let's let's call it what it is. But you know, it, it's what I call. It's the same thing that Maelstrom had, right? It's the ex girlfriend effect. You want to <laughs> make somebody like, no, no, don't leave me. I love you so much. Yeah, but you never came over. Like that's what happened with Maelstrom. It's what happened with Ellen's. I think it was also interesting that some people were like, well, wait a minute. Why are we putting a roller coaster in Epcot in Future World? It doesn't belong. But it really was this. Marvel doesn't fit in Epcot. No, look, a lot of us who are Marvel fans were very happy to see anything Marvel coming, but it was the how do we connect the dots between Marvel and this Epcot purism sentiment that we feel, and whether it was designed from the very beginning or if it was something that was OMG, how do we sort of satiate the feelings of these Epcot fans and make sure it fits in the fact that they're calling this the very first other world showcase pavilion is like the guardians. It's cheesy and it's brilliant. And I love this twist that you're not coming to world showcase to visit another country. You're coming to future world to visit another planet, which is Xandar. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're coming to world celebration and world discovery to celebrate Xandar. Nomenclature is key. Mr. (laughs) Mangello. I'm still I'm still getting used to just not calling it future world. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that that's the brilliant part of it is that they turned it into um a showcase, a, a place to come in and visit the Zandarians and learn about their their world. I I think that that spin on the theming and the story was pretty much brilliant. Yeah, it, I can remember sorry to cut you off. The the announcement really we knew three things coming in the announcement. We knew it was going to be in world show or in future world. It was still future world. Then it was taking over Ellen's energy adventure. And the main reason behind it was Peter Quill, when he was a child, went to Epcot and loved Epcot. So of course it makes sense. And those things were all we knew. And I think going into it, that's all you really need to know is it just fits so perfect in that location. Yeah. It it makes sense. Once you get into the attraction, and obviously we're going to sort of walk our way through it, but before we enter into the oh-so-glorious air conditioning that is this pavilion, it was interesting to watch, especially being local, 
watch the building come together and the the same words continually be used for this show building huge massive mammoth like you cannot get a sense of just how big that show building is until you get next to it and because it doesn't just take over the original universe of energy pavilion but in case you haven't missed it, there's this giant show building that covers more than 200,000 square feet. And the the statistic that Imagineering uses is that you can fit four spaceship Earths inside this building. And when you get up close to it, and I know, Jeremiah, we had a chance to sort of walk into a very small section for a preview a number of months ago, and you even saw the size of those support structures you really get a sense of just how large this building, and it pays off because of the length of the attraction, how long and large it really is. Yeah, I when we walked in, I, I can remember the pure excitement of walking back there. And you really don't have a concept of how huge that building is. And one of the things that we experienced was the first day of this or the morning of the event, they dropped this off and we had to walk underneath it and just, you know, walking. I, I figure I feel kind of like I'm in New York for the first time and you're walking next to a skyscraper and you just, you have to lean back and almost hold to look all the way up. And that's how the, that building feels to me. I was watching it as it went up. And of course the, the paint on it to blend into the sky was amazing but i usually come in from international gateway so i saw it from afar saw the buildings like yeah that looks pretty big it wasn't until i first came in the front entrance of epcot where you could see that building right next to spaceship earth and realize just how huge that show building is and obviously after writing it you realize why yeah so i want to i want to take you through and and i think this will help maybe a if you're listening and haven't seen it yet, and I and then it, it's so hard, right? Because I, I, in a perfect world, you want people to see these things with their own eyes first, as opposed to watching a video. Although understanding too that videos help get you excited, but I do want to give you a little bit of an idea of what the queue experience is like, and I and I really do think it is an experience because there's a lot to it, and I want to talk about everything from the design to the story, and then to sort of this virtual kind of step-by-step walkthrough through the many elements and then talk a little bit or a lot of it because there's a lot um you know top 100 easter eggs in the queue (laughs) of of guardians of the the galaxy and as soon as you walk in you you get the sense the first thing i thought was i almost got this feeling and this vibe of like test track in terms of the modern lines, the color, the lighting. Um, And one of the things I find interesting about the queue, and again, as we sort of break it down section by section, is this integration of queue areas that you walk in, sort of the, the line areas, and then these, for lack of a better word, like it's like going to the doctor's office. Like there's the first waiting room and then the doctor will see you now and then you come into the second waiting room and then you go to the third and then finally you see the doctor. That's sort of how it is there. But the thing that that strikes me most and the thing that I can't wait to touch on too when we get to some of the Easter eggs is the the, the love and the respect and the acknowledgement of Epcot. Um, Jeremiah, you touched on this idea of Star-Lord 
visiting Epcot as a kid um, and, and, and why this all sort of ties in and makes sense. And we'll talk to you about the villain that we are first introduced as we go through this. I'm also going to touch on my I have one. I have one issue. I have one issue and we will get to it and I'll see if if the two of you agree or 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 saw or felt the same thing that I did. Give me first your thoughts in terms of when you turn that corner, when you first walked into the the first section of the queue and we'll talk about the the Galaxarium, what your initial impression was, uh, Becky and Jeremiah? <laughs> Honestly, it did have that modern line. It was sleek. It's it's um, it's very shiny because, of course, that's what you think of when you think about going into outer space for some reason. But honestly, the first thing I thought of was, is it going to be a laser light show for Pink Floyd or something? Because it really did have that that whole planetarium type feel to it when you first walk in and you you are immediately drawn to the projections that are happening above you. And I, I do love the design of it that just has that sweeping um, ramp that circles its way up as you uh, make your way through that, that initial room. Um, but that's, that's you wanted honesty. That's exactly what I thought. Is it some, somewhere along the line, we're gonna have a laser light show. For me, uh, I have a couple of different thoughts on this one initially when you walk through that door and how you were saying you feel the test track, I almost felt more of a universe of energy feel with that wall right in mm -hmm. front of you. And, <laughs> right. and one of the things, Mac, the person who was traveling with me, I'm pretty sure almost every time we walked in there, when I walked in, I wanted to go to the left because it's essentially the old entrance where you walk in and you can go left or right into the old pre-show area for universe of energy. So I'd always keep going left because nobody ever went to the left as the old story goes. And I, I would run into the wall. I didn't literally, well, I may have literally run into the wall once or twice, but when I turn the corner and you see the Galaxarium and Lou, did you get a chance to hear much of the audio in that area? So I did. And, and it was going to touch on that because okay. it, not only is it one, it's, it's like a 30 minute long loop. Yeah, 32 minutes is what the Imagineers had said to us. And um, I I was only able to sit there for about 12. So I just wanted to make sure I wasn't going to jump to one of your Easter eggs right away. For me, and both of you may have this feeling also, to me, it was almost Tron light cycle run type feel mm. to it, how mm -hmm. the modern lines. And then the other thing, what really hit me almost more than that is the images i am i'm a huge world's fair nut so i look at the 64 65 new york world's fair and the ford's magic skyway which just so happened to be where the dinosaurs originally came from and that cue had wound around and you saw the different scenes to me i i never got a chance to see the original cue but the photos i've seen it almost feels like that's what they kind of based it off of. And now I wish I could go back and ask Imagineers, like, was this one of your inspirations? But that the Galaxarium, just beautiful with the winding mm -hmm. curves and everything. And of course, the screen, which will now go into Lou's Easter egg talk. <laughs> well, yeah. I, and I think it's a really smart um, and I love sort of the connective tissue from Forge Magic Skyway because there is a lot of 
there is going to be a lot of, of those Easter eggs and things like that in there. So you almost have to believe that it was deliberate. And the reason why you're in this planetarium is it helps to set the stage, not just visually, but in terms of story, because there is this Xandarian supercomputer called the World Mind, which provides the narration in this 30-minute long loop, which takes place in this screen above your head like a planetarium or like Flight to the Moon, Mission to Mars. And this supercomputer holds all of the collective knowledge and information and experiences and memories of the people of Xandar. So if you listen and watch very carefully, not only are the visuals stunning, but this is where you start to get some of the insertion of the Guardians of the Galaxy, the the Peter Quill story and his shared memories, his sort of shared um, uh, time that he spent in Epcot Center. I'm really glad that you guys are filling in the blanks because every time that I went in, I didn't get the audio. They had it uh, shut down for different interviews that were going on. So please keep talking about it because I got just the visual, watched uh, the sequences that were going on. I did hear, though, that that loop was going to be 30 some odd minutes. But like you, I stood there for a while, caught it for a bit. There was no audio. So just kept on going. No, it it was one of those things when we walked in i i was lucky enough to be one of the first people everybody's kind of going in and doing different things at the media event i i asked right i was like can we go on and they said oh absolutely so cut right in and stood there for a couple minutes but then later in the night when everything was back to normal i probably stood there for about 25 minutes watching that loop and they do an amazing job of explaining world mind and um And getting the 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 Peter Quill touches, like World Mind talks about how Peter was teaching her things, and it, it plays on those little puns of Starting you know Karen talk versus Zandarian talk. Uh, but it was that was one of those things. Like I'm ready to be in that queue, at least in that area, for an extended amount of time to watch it more. Uh, spoiler alert, Jeremiah, when you go back, you will be in that queue for an extended <laughs> period of time. And we'll talk about the throughput and, and the reason. But look, the, the reason why these things are there. And, and I think the the queue itself is uh, very, very well designed. Because, again, we obviously understand that we, we have the privilege and opportunity to see it in a way that most guests don't. But I understand why it was designed the way it was. And I imagined myself being able to spend time. And that's why sort of walking in and talking our way through it because from the galaxarium, that, that central planetarium, you go into the second phase of the, the queue, which is the Xandar gallery where you can learn more about the Xandarian people. And it's a, it's a history and cultural lessons through vignettes and these holographic type projections and models and, uh, a a wonderfully cheesy, as much the Guardians are, um, nod to Good Morning America with a little Good Morning <laughs> Xandar. And this incredibly, it, it's this wonderful combination, like Epcot, of being both entertaining and educational, right, in terms of this this fictional world 
of Xandar. Um, there's this amazing model of Xandar that uses that projection mapping technology and this narration as you sort of walk around the model, really making you feel that Xandar is, was, a real place and talking about everything from the industrial aspects to the environmental aspects, educational, etc. There are models of the the Star Blaster and the model in there as well. And I love the fact that the Imagineers literally went to the set of Guardians of the Galaxy to film, I think what they said, like 75 minutes of original content just for this attraction, including interviews with some of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, that that area, uh, again, when I was lucky enough to run in there the first time, because I've been waiting five years for this attraction, we ran through, and the cheesy interview part that you talked about, the Good Morning Xandar, which if you look at any of the photos or when you go through off to the left-hand side underneath the person who's doing the interviewing, one of the logos is very clearly a nod to abc like the the round logo with the three dots and i was just staring at that um i do you mind if i talk about what peter quill says during that time yeah yeah so you know again we we all heard the story of why tara and epcot was chosen for the first other world showcase and one of the things that people have been kind of laughing at also calling it a little over the top was during the interview when they're talking to star lord he goes i can't wait to get back to epcot and uh, ride horizons and see the energy dinosaurs and hear veggie veggie fruit fruit and that was really the only part of the queue that i noticed and throughout the entire day i was just giggling nonstop about that like yeah i'm glad that the Imagineers, and I'm sure Kevin Feige has a lot to do with this because he's a diehard Disney fan also. That nod and that kind of like just jab at us true Disney nerds is is what's needed. You know, we need to be able to laugh at ourselves much more than we do. And I think that was a perfect setup for it. And this is where we don't want to say too much or spoil too much because one, you will be spending some time in there. And I want you to spend time like, like Jeremiah, like you, I went back later on in the evening to do nothing but spend as much time as I possibly could in that queue. I wanted to watch. I wanted to listen. I wanted to learn and, and pick up as much as I can, because even going through the first time, you're so almost like giddy with excitement and sort of you have your head on a swivel. You're trying to take it all in. It's like watching a Marvel movie, right? You're not going to pick up on all of the nods and the tributes and the Easter egg. So you're you're going to spend some time in the Xandar Gallery, and there's a lot to see, and there's a lot to do in, in terms of that as well. I think it's really, really well done. From there, you go into the phase chamber, and it's sort of where the relatively short first pre-show starts. So your your tour of the pavilion sort of concludes here in this phase chamber, which... I found like as soon as I walked in, I was looking around at just sort of the cool decor inside. And this is where you teleport from Epcot to the Novacore Star Charter Cruiser, which is this brand new, massive, very cool looking ship that's orbiting Earth. You start to learn about the cosmic generator, which is this 
piece of Zandarian technology that creates those jump points that you've seen in things like Guardians of the Galaxy, which are these sort of wormhole-like tunnels that allow you to travel two million miles or whatever it is across long distances. We're greeted again by uh, the Nova Prime, Arani Rail, who is Glenn Close, who looks like she literally just stepped off the screen of Guardian 1. Uh, she's the leader of, the, of Xandar and the commander of the Nova Corps. And we're also introduced to the commander of the Star Charter, Centurion Tal Marek, who is played by Terry Crews. You know him probably as the old Spice guy. He was also an NFL player. He's been in a number of uh, movies, and he who is fantastic, by the way. And from there, we get this incredible, and again, I don't want to spoil too much, this reveal moment that reminds me of how I felt in Rise of the Resistance the first 10 times I saw it. The first time I felt when I was in Flight of Passage in terms of you think you are one place seeing one thing and all of a sudden that entire room changes. Yeah. It was amazing. That feeling, you know what it took me back to? Uh, not a lot of people may have ever experienced Say this, it. but if I you know where you're going. ever did yep. the Star Trek experience yep. yes, exactly. in Las Vegas, <laughs> which was the first time I've ever had that kind of reveal where my jaw was on the floor to where one of the cast members walked over and said, are you okay? Because I was just like, what just happened? How did I get here? How did that happen? It was so amazing. And it really had that same feel on on that reveal here. Yeah, I I walked in. So Lou, you were talking about the pre-shows. There's there's the first pre-show room with the videos. Um, and to me, that was almost kind of, and I don't think this is a complete throwback to Ellen. But uh, the I, way, I agree with you. I know exactly what you're gonna say. I agree okay. with you a thousand percent. Yeah, the the kind of movements of how that worked. And then you walk into the transport room. And as I walked in, I just kind of paused and I turned to my friend. I'm like, this is the Star Trek experience. Like, <laughs> this is exactly what that is. Yay. Happened. To that first room where we first see the video of Arani Rael, two things struck out. Three things. One, you know, Glenn Close obviously reprising her role. Two, I caught the same thing because the video screen is not eye height it is up above you so you have to look up the same way that you had to do in the pre-show for universe of energy slash ellen's energy adventure but the other thing that that struck me here too was the technology because it was almost this dimensional effect to the screens there was almost a sort of depth of field not quite mm -hmm. this sort of off-putting 3d but however they design those layers of screens almost like you know, a, a, a modern multi-plane camera really, really paid off well. And, and the, quali the quality was exceptionally high, unlike yeah. Evans. I, I <laughs> exactly. Um, that was one of those ones. The first time I was in there, I don't even remember what they were talking about because I was paying attention. And it does look multi-layer. And then when they talk about the Big Bang, again, definitely screaming back universe mm -hmm. of energy time. But and how her head would jump from side to side. I just kept wanting her to go talk about somebody's hair or them being late at one point just for that nod. But that room, I, for a pre-show, that is probably one of the best pre-shows that I can think of. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, 
rises the resistance that that room has something but this one to, to continue the story and to keep everything going at a steady pace just very fun and of course uh the comedy is there and when we you go you, and Jeremy, i didn't mean to, mean to cut you off because when you oh, no. go and you are sort of on the star charter um and, and again to give quick reference to Terry Crews, who I love his performance. Um, there are a couple of moments that literally force almost everybody in the room to laugh out loud in terms of just the way he's able to change his his tone and his facial features. But it's also where we are, um, we're introduced to the celestial named Isan, the bad guy, the antagonist of the attraction who steals that cosmic generator. And you might not know Isan, but you've seen him before, and he is this celestial who has been monitoring Earth for eons and wants to sort of use this cosmic generator to not travel long distances, but to travel back in time and change the course of humanity. You may remember Isan from such movies as the original Guardians of the Galaxy, because when the Collector is talking about the Infinity Stones, he is the Celestial who mows down that entire planet with the Power Stones. He, he has this uh, staff with the Power Stone on it and sort of bangs it on the ground and, and wipes everybody out. And, and the Collector even talks about how the stones can only be brandished by a being from that, that, that has extraordinary strength and is able to mow down entire civilizations like wheat in a field. And I know, Jeremiah, you know probably way more than I do about the comics, but even in, in the comics, Isan, the, the searcher, was, he's given that name because his task was to go and seek out, and he, too, had been to Earth before, and in the comics, he went to Florida. So this is one of my all-time favorite things. When I was going nerd dive into this, Isan <laughs> um, appeared in Eternals 9. I, I bought it just so I could have it. I don't have it near me. Um, and, you know, he's a celestial. We learn more about them in the Eternals, but doing the deep dive into it, and I find out that when he was on Earth, he oversaw an underwater civilization and Miami, Florida. Those were like his base was that. So when later in the day, I had a chance to talk to some of the WDI folk and I was asking them different questions. You know, those times where you, you get lucky and you get to talk to the man behind the curtain and just they'll share everything with you. And I say, so was it you guys or was it, you know, Kevin Feige, Marvel that said Eson because of his tie to Florida and Miami? And they, it was three of them, and they all gave me the look like I just spoke a different language. <laughs> Not a clue in the world, which again makes me on that nerd level. I feel like I, my inspiration of Lou Mangello has kept. <laughs> I, I out nerded a WDI group, so I'm good. I love that. I heard the nerd alert go off. I didn't realize it was you that was setting it off in the queue. Because <laughs> those poor matchers are like, come on, dude, just go ride the ride. Like, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it, definitely the Eson part was, it, it's, it's interesting. And I feel like, I, I don't know if this is where you were going to go with your one thing. 
but they don't give Eson enough story or background to kind of go, oh, now I understand mm -hmm. all this. This is definitely on our side of we need to do the research if we want to care why this is a villain. And, you know, they, they give a two second summation during the ride, but there isn't the whole background of a celestial. Right. That's... How did you how do you sort of connect the dots quickly and in a way? Because I think the goal has to be every look, this is a family attraction, but it's also one that's not like you don't have to show your Marvel nerd card to ride. You need to be able to enjoy this attraction without having seen every single movie and read comics and, from the 80s and 90s. And I think they did that well because I recognize the character, but I didn't I, I didn't go full on nerd there. However, I knew that something has gone wrong. <laughs> so I understood that there was a difference in the tone of what was going on around us and that something was horribly going wrong and we would have to save the universe. Well, and, and, and that moment that something goes horribly wrong is there's, there's a couple of things about that. So one, when, Drax points out that there's this giant being outside the ship. Something is going horribly wrong. He steals this energy source so that you know something is going to happen uh, with a great Pepper's Ghost-like effect, by the way, in, in this section. Um, here is, and I'm not sort of picking nits, but I noticed it the first time I experienced the attraction when I had no phone. I, would, I, I was doing nothing but wanting to enjoy it as a guest. And I heard a voice. I know what you're going to say. And I didn't know who it was. And as I looked closer on the screen and the dialogue continued, I came to know that it was Rocket's voice, yeah. but it wasn't Rocket's voice. And I I say, look, I am a I'm I bleed Marvel red, right? Like I but the voice was so off yeah. that it was somewhat disruptive. Like I had to sort of forgive and forget and move on. And I'm, in my mind, I'm going, come on, Bradley Cooper. It takes you 10 minutes. I mean, just get in there. I don't know why or how it didn't happen, but that loss of his voice and a little bit of, of disconcert in the, the voice actor who, you know, credit to you, but it, it's a hard voice to replicate, but it did, it was a little, it was a lot of off for me. It was totally off for me. And it actually started with the, the commercial that they have been putting out there for the guardians of the galaxy, where we know we don't have Chris Pratt because he's behind the, um, his face mask and rocket throws something at him and he just like moves. So there's no voice there, but it's, I don't know if the same actor that's doing that commercial and in the ride itself, but I'm right there with you of everything that works so well in this attraction. That is the one thing that was so far off that it made me go, huh? wait a minute, this, there's something not right here. And it took me out of story for a second because I was so distracted by the difference in the rocket that I know and love. Yeah, I, I very much felt that way. It was, it was jarring because I, I feel like Rocket is at the point in our lives where that voice is almost up there with Mickey Mouse. We know. I was say that. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, going from... Mission Breakout, which I don't believe is Bradley Cooper either, but that voice is close enough where you kind of go, is that Bradley Cooper? Mm -hmm. Could that be? This one is 
so far out in left field, didn't even register. If I was walking in with my hands over my eyes, I would not have been able to go, oh, that's Rocket. And again, I don't know if that's the same voice that does any of the cartoons or any of the other voiceovers, but that one is definitely one of the only nitpicking points. That's, and, and you, you bringing up Mickey, that was the example I was going to give. It's like if you walk into a room and you hear, hiya, pal, and <laughs> rather than the Mickey Mouse voice, you go, wait a minute, what? Well, it's it's comparable in that when it's off, it's off. And if it's really off, it's really off. And even more so because all of the other actors were there, it's like, which of these things doesn't belong here? I'm thinking Sesame Street in my mind or Electric Company, whatever it was, <laughs> because it was, and it's fine. Like, you're able to move past it, and well, clearly not, but I was able to move past it and continue to enjoy. But before we get onto the attraction itself, I, I literally had to break this out separately because I was so enthralled and excited by the Easter eggs that were in here. And I was pleasantly surprised at just how many we have found and heard and saw just on the first few passes through. So wait, Jeremiah, how many times did you ride? 12 times. Oy, wow. wow. Becky, how many was for you? Three. Oh, I come in. I think I was five, five or six, maybe six. Well, one, two, maybe I think it was six. It doesn't matter. Jeremiah, you clearly you win. And we'll talk about that rewritability in a number of different aspects later on. But there were so many great Easter eggs that I found myself smiling about. Right. Obviously, we're in Epcot. There's, there's the Star-Lord connection, universe of energy. But there were things in there. So even like in the Galaxarium, when the the world mind starts talking about turkey legs and this fascination with why Terran culture has such fascination and like it was almost like a Seinfeld bit like why only the leg what about the rest of the creature like and there's this giant turkey leg in this planetarium in the first part of the queue okay that explains a lot I saw that one of the times I walked through without the sound but I never heard it with the sound so that, that <laughs> no it makes sense all other thing yeah <laughs> um the other thing that that one of the others that that I loved um that you can hear more than once was the reference to the old joke I think originally sort of probably created by cast members is that when you are being welcomed to Epcot and then later on you'll hear as the attraction concludes um, Drax talks about whether Epcot's even a word and somebody says well yeah it just means every person comes out tired and I loved 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 and, and Disney sort of being able to poke fun at itself and allow that one to go through well, that one, so that, one of the things that I learned in my 12 different rides, which <laughs> I am very thankful that I got the chance to do that. It will never happen again, ever. But the the audio cues, there are six different songs. And I think what I've narrowed it down to is there are three different audio tracks that go to each of the two songs has the same audio track. So there's different little bits that we may get into later on, but the every person comes out tired is only on the um, one way or another and uh, oh, one of the other songs, and I apologize, I can't think of it. But the other one, the one that's on Conga, which out of my 12 times, I had seven times. <laughs> 
So if I never hear that song again, I'm fine. <laughs> Huge fan of the uh, Miami Sound Machine. Jeremiah Good. I mean, he's wearing the concert shirt right now. So uh, when you're pulling in to the end and Gamora says, You're back at Epcot. And then Code. Yeah, Epcot. Carla goes, It's Epcot. And then Rock goes, who names these things? And I just laughed. I was like, where's, where's Walt when we need him? Oh, we'll get to Walt. We'll, we'll yeah. get, to, we'll definitely get to, um, we'll get to Walt. One of, you know, as long as we're talking about music, there are some great musical Easter eggs in here as well. You mentioned when uh, the guardians were being interviewed on good morning Xandar and star Lord talks about how he can't wait to get back to Epcot because he wants to ride Horizons and the dinosaurs from Universe of Energy and Kitchener and Cabaret. And I love the fact that he mentions Veggie Veggie Fruit Fruit by name. Yeah. Like you hear, if you look like I, I posted a, a quick video on um, on the blog on my Instagram stories. But when he says that, there's not a lot of people in the queue, but you hear this like you can't help but contain your laughter. I think that's one of those songs you know, there are many things in Epcot's history that it takes a nerd level like us to catch or something like veggie, veggie, fruit, fruit that I think anybody that has ever listened to any Disney music knows that song. So that's that's the tie that's going to bind every Disney fan, nerd, uber geek like us mm. together. I'm so bummed because I'm hearing all this wonderful stuff and I want to go back now because all the things you're talking about the audio was off every time I went through the queue. So I didn't get to hear any of this. So now I got to go back. And and we'll talk about things like lightning, but, but this is why you have to go and spend time in the queue. Other things very quickly to listen to, for example, as long as we're about music on ride, when the guardians fly into frame at one point, if you listen carefully, there is an electric guitar version of the original Universe of Energy theme song. And you can oh, hear cool. that the Celestial Wait, says what? something I like, what? I... yeah, the Celestial says something like, what is that noise? And if you listen carefully, it sounds a little bit like the original Universe of Energy theme song. I think you mentioned earlier huh. before the, the mention of uh, the Big Bang and not just in the pre-show, but later on ride, there's a mention of the Big Bang and then uh, Drax talks about it being the Ding Dang like on yeah. Bill Nye and, and Universe of Energy. <laughs> There's also not just what you see in the queue, what you hear in the queue, but what you see uh, written in Zandarian, which is the Zandarian language. There's a lot of translation. It's like Indiana Jones in, in Disneyland. You should mm-hmm. go and try and translate because there are uh, a couple of columns on the ride where you can see the name Ellen and Alex and Dino and E equal MC squared spelled out. There is a one thirteen in the queue on one of the video screens that I just had me smiling ear to ear. There's references to spaceship earth. Um, they're in the, um, in the, in the galaxyrium, the, the, the narrator talks about thanking the Zandarians mm-hmm. and says something to the effect of, if you're able to read the text, thank the Zandarians and I'm like I love the thank the Phoenicians reference that's awesome yeah one of the other easter eggs I don't know if you caught it but when you leave when you're aboard the um, the ship after you transport they have a ship's map much like every ship does and they have the different logos of the universe of energy starting with the, the circling going out and then it even has 
what was in the Q area, the original universe of energy, when it was on the cubes, how it would form different mm -hmm. logos. And we were told that in Xandarian on that, there's many different references. But one of the things that we did confirm is they are not going to put out any type of translator card. There won't be a translation. <laughs> Good luck on that. We've been working for the past few days to translate as much as possible. So we've got a couple of the words. And it's one of those things of I took pictures of just about everything. So I know when it does come to the point. I can read Xandarian. Right. Google Translate can't quite do it. Well, I mean, Google Translate can't quite do it overseas in some places either, but yeah. um, it, it would be interesting to to be able to spend some time and go through because there's got to be countless more Easter eggs in there as well. Two other things I want to quickly, three other things I want to quickly mention is uh, there is A113 in one of the video screens. There's also the mention, there's a, there's a reference to Maelstrom. There's a, uh, in the energy schematic there is this um, you're, you're watching a video of some of the weather patterns of Xandar and it says right underneath that it is a maelstrom. I have to think that is obviously very, very deliberate that Xandar Xandarian model uh, clearly is meant to be a tribute to the Epcot model. But I love, love, love and appreciate so very much that on one of the large video screens, Walt Disney comes up. And I don't want to spoil it for you, but they talk about Walt Disney and his Progress City and Epcot and how this all connects and sort of the, the great man and visionary that Walt Disney was. Um, I, I love, love, love that for all of the reasons. Yeah, the connections they did and the tribute. I mean, this not only I know we're kind of crossing the line, but Connections Cafe has that same type of thing with the map of Epcot. So what they've done, you, you can tell Zachary Lee and the Imagineers that are on the Epcot project care more about Walt Disney than, I don't want to say the people that created Epcot did, but they, they have the, they're so far removed from Walt, they, they see him as he is to us, the person who created everything and made everything magical. So them just putting that little extra effort in helps and it definitely is something, you know, the Q video you're talking about with the energy, that one is, I want to say it's about 13 minutes because I only sat for about half of it. So again, the time you're moving, you're not going to be able to see the entire video. Something more to see. Every time you go back, something different to see. And very quickly, because I know, and I'm not a big Hidden Mickey guy, but I did see there is one Hidden Mickey that I found in that Zandarian city model. Uh, you'll see... Off to the left-hand side, there is a grassy area, and there are three illuminated blue domes that form a hidden Mickey in the grass. So I, I like the fact that they made sure they were able to sneak some of those things in as well. Uh, all right, let's talk. I want to talk about the on-ride experience because this is obviously, uh, and 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 we'll talk about the. Hopefully we've convinced you that even if you don't want to do the ride, you at least do the queue. Mm -hmm. But in terms of the on-ride experience itself, in terms of what to expect, the first thing I noticed was the two identical load areas, which obviously gives the opportunity for a lot of throughput. We don't know how many guests per hour, but I know, Jeremiah, you and I were talking about, and I think that you were told at any one time, there's 10 trains or so going on at once. And I think each train carries 
20 people or is it 20 they, or they can have uh i think it was nine trains on the track and one for backup because the the customer was saying that there are 10 trains total it could only be eight i know when we were there they had eight but two of them were dedicated to the on-ride video and i want to say is it five seats so yeah probably 20 20 people per vehicle but it was the amazing like i've been on coasters around the world as you guys have and the load the quickness there wasn't a delay um there is no over the shoulder there is no seat belt there is pull down in your lap bar hang on for the wildest ride in the galaxy and uh I talked to a number of people about the seats, right? I'm not the biggest guy on the planet, so I, I can only you know, refer to myself. There is room for you to put your bag down in between mm-hmm. your legs, but I talked to a couple other folks who are both taller and wider, and a couple of larger folks I talked to said they were accommodated very, not just accommodated, but very, very comfortably. Um, there was a lot of room, like, to maneuver for them in the seats, and I was really happy to hear that because I know that some other attractions sometimes in, in other parks they're where they're not able to ride at all. The fact that the vehicles were, were purpose built to make sure they could accommodate as many different human and other size creatures um, was really nice to hear. What was really nice too, is that each seat has its own lap bar. So you're not restricted to the size of the person sitting next to you. So for someone who's a little larger and you have someone sitting next to you that's kind of small, it's difficult when you're sharing a lap bar because someone may fly out. Why not? But, but there is a lot of there's a lot of leg room. There's a lot of space to, to put your bag, like you said. Um, it's it's very comfortable and it's easy to get in and out of as well, especially for you know those of us who have a little mobility issues when we're trying to get in and out of a, out of a chair. There's things to hold on to. You can pull yourself up easily. So it's really well designed. Right. Like when you're in rock and roller coaster, you're in there pretty tight and, and mm-hmm. there is only a certain amount of tolerance that that seat will have for certain size guests. And even your head, you have limited sort of movement by design, but it being so open, there's no sense of claustrophobia in terms Not of a bit. your, forget about your, your head space, but even just your body space as well. Exactly. And as being the resident claustrophobic on this panel, I didn't feel that way at all. And some people do have that enclosed feeling on these types of uh, attractions, but I did not even have one inkling of feeling that I was being too enclosed. Yeah. As somebody who's taller, it's, I've been on a similar attraction in a park down the road and that is uncomfortable to get into difficult to sit in you know, you have, you have to deal with that locking, like, are you going to fit that, that pressure? And something that I talked to even before when I, when cast members had gone, one of my main questions was the size constraints. Uh, my boss is a bigger man. So he questioned, would he be able to write it? And I didn't hear anybody from cast members to us that couldn't ride. And one of the other things that we didn't get a chance to touch upon, I feel, I don't know if you did, Lou, but the disabled vehicle, the back of every car has a special door that opens. So if a guest can transport from a wheelchair or an ECV, 
they can get right on this ride. It's not going to be one of those, oh, you have to go through 20 steps to get in. It's door opens, you climb in, you're on, good luck. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> Great. Well done. It's reassuring. <laughs> hey, well, good luck. Hey, well, know. Becky's talking about people flying out. <laughs> well, you know, it, uh, the other thing I noticed, out. too, it's a simple little design element, but they have a. If you want to ride, and we'll talk about sort of the optimal place to ride, but they had this sort of little waiting area and sort of almost like a little mini queue if you want to wait for row one, which mm-hmm. I really liked. Instead of sort of being sort of pushed off to the side and sort of huddling somewhere, they had this neat little designed wait waiting sort of space right by the uh, again beginning. But you notice from the outset that this attraction is very different. Remember when this was called, um, imagine originally called this a storytelling coaster. And I think it very much is applicable and fits into this. And again, I don't want to spoil too much, but from the very beginning and that there's almost sort of multiple launch sequences, right? You sort of go out from the loading area You go up a ramp and then there's sort of a a little mini sort of pre-show scene. And then you have this backward launch, which is just exhilarating. I will tell you now, the only way to describe my first ride is my face hurt. My face hurt because I was smiling so wide. By the way, I was riding by myself. I was smiling. I was like a crazy person. I was smiling. I was laughing out loud. I was singing along. We'll we'll talk about the music. But it is this incredible. First of all, the inside of the attraction itself is pitch black, which I love. There's no sort of light intrusion like the Walt Disney World Space Mountain. You can see sort of elements of light. It's completely black inside. But there is this wonderful combination of both screens and physical objects and there's it's not like sort of riding in a dark coaster where you just if you sit with your eyes shut it's fine or even rock and roller coaster where there's a a few physical elements there are both projections and like i said physical large size physical objects planets inside this attraction (laughs) and the thing then the reason why i think storytelling coaster is the appropriate term is because your vehicle does move. I think to say that your vehicle spins, it it gives almost a false impression. Like I was trying to initially define what it was and I found myself misspeaking. I'm like, well, it's not, you know, it's not a tilt the world. Like that's not what it is. It's like a doom buggy. It's like an Omni mover in that you are directed towards what they want you to see and focus on. Even as you go down in sort of this, spiral helix it's so wonderfully thoughtful in its design and intent and it's it it is just non-stop fun like mission breakout in california it is non-stop fun from the time you walk into the door until the time you walk back out let's go back to that launch for a second because for people like me that launch thought it causes great anxiety because for some people you're on these roller coasters, you know, you're going to be from that standing start and you're just going to go where you have to practice your, um, your airline pilot grunt to make sure that you get through that G force. This was not that 
this was amazingly smooth. And when it's, you started turning around and I started getting nervous and my palms started sweating and I was thinking, okay, I just got to get through the next few seconds because it'll be okay. All of a sudden I'm going, oh, we're going backwards. And there was no feeling like you were going to get hit with massive amounts of G's that make you feel uncomfortable. You were just going backwards smoothly. It was amazing how smooth that transition was. And all of a sudden, like you, I found myself giggling and laughing and singing along. Um, as soon as I realized that, oh yeah, first of all, we're not going upside down. So there's no worries about that. I've, I've heard a lot of people um, be very afraid that it's going to go upside down, that there's going to be some inversions or some people are also very fearful of scary drops, especially in the dark when you don't see it coming. And that was not an issue with this. Um, like you said, there was, there's one moment where there is a helix that for people with a, a little bit of motion issues may have an issue with that, but there's ways around that. We'll talk about that as well, but there was nothing that was scary or overly intense on my body. Um, I didn't feel, like I said, I didn't, didn't really feel massive G's or, or feel like um, I was being moved in a way that wasn't comfortable. Uh, I do agree with you that the motion of the cars is much like Haunted Mansion going 65 miles an hour, <laughs> but still you have that very purposely direct you here so you can see this really cool planet or direct you there so you can see part of the story. Um, I will say the first time I wrote it, I literally forgot there was a story because I was so into the motion and the feeling and the excitement and the giddiness, much like the very first time I wrote Mission Breakout, so into the music and so into things that were happening around me, I forgot what we were really doing there, except for having a good time on this attraction. Oh, I absolutely agree. It was uh, my first time. I, I'm not ashamed to say this. I definitely shed a tear of how much fun I was having. <laughs> it, it, it really is just overwhelming joy uh the launch as you guys have said you don't really feel the launch i i did a test in my i hate to say this 12 times i rode this um i rode just about every vehicle and the launch you know on a normal roller coaster if you sit in the back it's the most intense if you sit in the front it's eh, if you sit in the middle it's fine for this one if you sit in the back for the launch it's very unexciting, but the front, because you're in the back of the car, you really feel that takeoff. And one of the other pull back the curtain moments when I was talking to the Imagineers, that launch is the part that takes you from the original universe of energy building out into the anti-gravity building. So that, that quick launch and the beats to it just, fit so perfect i i really cannot think of another attraction that i've gone on and like becky said she forgot there's a story you just get so tied up in it all and it's so much fun you forget what's going on it wasn't until the second time where i actually started picking up on the audio cues which i'm sure we'll go into in a little bit but the coaster for seeing, like Lou said earlier, where we walked and saw some of the inside of the building, seeing that coaster at that time versus riding it this time, two separate things. Like I never, if I'd never seen the inside, I wouldn't have guessed how high up the coaster is and how far down below it goes because you don't feel, even the Helix, I think at times, 
you you pick up on, but it's not it's not too drastic. Um, the one thing I will say, well, we'll go into the motion sickness in a little bit, but I I have one piece of advice for that also later. Yeah, and I think we sort of need to sort of. I think it's very important to touch on the intensity and the potential for motion sickness because I know right out of the gate there are people who have motion sensitivities, get motion sick, or just, you know, a, a fear of the unknown and, you know, afraid of, of getting sick or afraid of what this might be. I think, again, Disney being very purposeful in calling this a family thrill ride, trying to sort of allay some of those fears that, yes, kids can ride, families can ride, and it, it probably isn't as tense as your fears may be telling you. Uh, I think you both use the word smooth. It is an incredibly smooth attraction, which I cannot say for things like the Matterhorn. Like I have mm-hmm. a real tough time as I'm getting up in my years riding Matterhorn because it's such a rough ride. I think it's a, I think it's less rough than things like Space Mountain. Uh, I think if you're able to ride Expedition Everest, you'll have, now again, this your mileage may vary right everybody is mm-hmm. is unique it's a very subjective thing but like you said becky there's no upside down there's no inversions the spins for lack of a better word are slow and they are smooth i think knowing where to sit might help you i think jeremiah to your point it, being in that back row is intent more intense for most of the ride just not that initial launch um mm-hmm. i think the middle is is possibly probably your best overall place to be i think row five row six not just for the launch not just for the motion but even in terms of what you will see and experience on ride and and sort of where your view and periphery might see um in terms of actually the motion sickness i cannot speak to it as someone who calls themselves or considers themselves very sensitive to it. I only want to help you judge for yourself. What I will say is that I found myself only being able to ride maybe two times in a row before having to take a break. Like I just started to feel that little bit of sensitivity, motion, dizziness, whatever you want to call it in my head. I did find the trick later on was to try and, not allow myself to keep my head on a swivel, but to focus forward at all times, which is very difficult to do because there are things that you want to see. Um, But I think that, you know, if you're able to do things like, look, I feel the same way about uh, Mission Breakout. Like I can't ride Mission Breakout in DCA or even Tower of Terror here anymore more than two or three times without like saying, all right, I need to take a, a little bit of, um, a break. I, I will also tell you too that if you are sensitive to it, um, something that helps with motion sickness, I think I talked about this on a previous show, is peppermint, whether it be peppermint oil like on your temples or under your nose, or even just like peppermint gum or peppermint mints, does help with some of that motion sickness a little bit. So, like when I came off the attraction, I put in some peppermint gum and that dizziness went away from me very very quickly but i did find that i needed to um take a break uh, so 
Jeremiah and Becky, what were your experiences in terms of the intensity and motion sickness? Well, for me, I am kind of susceptible to a little motion. So uh, there's some things I can do, some things I can't. Like I'm not sensitive to mission breakout. I can do that one after another after another and be fine. So that up and down motion doesn't get me. But that little bit of spinning or turning me, or even though I'm trying to keep my eyes forward, sometimes it's just hard not to look up and go, Hey, what's that? So I I took it a little bit farther. I did go ahead and go with the -the over-the-counter bonine, which I take uh, a lot before I get on something like this, or uh, it's like an hour before you take one or two tablets and I had no problem with it. That helix on the second time, like you, I wrote it once and then I took a break. Um, I didn't want to push it too much. I took, I wrote it the second time about an hour later, had another one of the, the bonine. So I took two between the two times. Um, the second time that helix did kind of get to me, I could feel just a tad little bit of a headache coming on from, uh, from doing that. So before I did it the third time, I waited till later on in the evening before I did that third one. So it does have like, like you, as I get older, my body just can't take it like it used to be able to where, you know, 20 years ago, I'd be like, yeah, let's ride it for the 77th time. Let's go. Um, That didn't happen for me this time. Otherwise I would have been right there with you, Jeremiah and riding with you for the 12 times or more. But um, I I loved it, but realized, you know, for, for my, maybe that little bit of a headache is telling me something I should probably back away. So to your point about the the family coaster, it is like 42 inches to, to get on the ride. And I could see this being really well received for those kids who can uh, easily do these coaster experiences. And, uh, you know, your mileage may vary. Some kids aren't going to, this is not going to be for everybody, obviously, if you do have this, that susceptibility to motion. Um, however, they've done a great job with it. And a lot of people do come back with that feeling of, yeah, I can't do um, uh, Matterhorn, so I can't do this. No, it is so smooth and so easy. And you can breathe through the entire thing with on Matterhorn. I feel like I'm you know, being um, jarred right and left and my neck is being thrill- thrown around and I didn't feel it on this at all. So I, I think it's really worth trying once. Uh, with precautions to see if you can do it and then, you know, don't do it again if it doesn't uh, fit you. And I think one, one important takeaway, and I will sort of speak to this as an absolute one thing you cannot, should not, must not do. Do not under any circumstances, drink around the world and then go ride gardens. Yeah, yeah. That is not no. going to work well for anyone. I didn't even have lunch beforehand. I decided I was, I didn't eat. You guys all sat down and like had lunch. Yeah. I'm like, here's me and my ginger ale over here. Just, just in case. Cause I, I didn't want to, that's, that's something that d- didn't need to have pictures I taken ate of lunch it. And if, then did ride just to, to, to that yes, point. I did. Did, we, we ate lunch with Jeremiah mm-hmm. too, yeah. and then did ride. And I was fine. Like I, I didn't feel anything. Yeah. I probably so, should. I probably could have been fine, but I just didn't want to, yeah. Didn't want to tempt the fates there. Lou, is this where you want to announce your newest sponsor for WW Radio, York Peppermint Patty? <laughs> um, I, I mean, I will say this to no end. I, I will do anything ever, even if I know that I'm going to get sick. Um, I will push myself. I, I was that person after Mission Space opened when they said, 
whatever you do, don't lean forward, don't look around. And I'm like, hey, on. Okay, there we go. I'm fine. Um, one of the things that, Lou, you really talked about is the not focusing or just focusing on forward. I know the person I was writing with, he is also a coaster person like me and can do everything. After his third time, he's like, I need to take a break because what he was doing was trying to focus on everything around the stories like, oh, wait, the, the ship's here. Now it moves over there. And yes, if you're if your head is focusing to the right and your body is moving to the left, something's going to go wonky in the middle. And, you know, it, like I said, 12 times, I didn't have a problem. I talked to one person who his first time and he is not a motion sickness person. He got off. He was done. He did it one more time later in the day to see if he could do it. He's like, nope. Uh, I mean, one of the things that the listeners, I'm sure, are like, oh, yeah, sure. Like, we will ever be able to do it back to back to back. I was going to say, right. Like, what we're talking about was never going to be able to happen. Yeah. So we understand it's special circumstances. But I think, Jeremiah, it helps understand what that intensity is like oh, absolutely. by being able to do it over and over again. Yeah. One of the questions that I had for everybody who had ridden it prior to the event was where would you rank it on the coaster intensity of Walt Disney world rides? Hmm. You know, Walt Disney world rides have for me, the most basic coaster, the, the best family is snow white and seven dwarfs mine train. The top is rock and roller coaster. From top down, it's rock and roller coaster, Everest, Space Mountain. Then I would put uh, Cosmic Rewind because it is smooth. And then you get in like Big Thunder, Slinky Dog, and Mine Train. So that's kind of how I ranked it. It's right in the middle. It's not the it's not the first family, the first coaster for the kid, but it is definitely. You know, you're you're working your way up after you've done Big mm -hmm. Thunder and Slinky. This is where you move on to next. I think that ranking is really helpful, Jeremiah, because I think mm -hmm. it sort of gives a framework and context for where this fits. And you have to determine for yourself where you are on that scale, um, because I think, too, they're like, well, it's in the dark and I can't see anything. And it's, I'm fearful because I don't know what's ahead. I didn't find that to be an issue. It was just sort of the motion. But I think. Again, we keep talking about smooth being the word, and I think that that is the operative element. I also think, too, that there's something else that plays into the positive accessibility of this attraction is we mentioned how it's nonstop fun, which is not just because of the coaster aspect. It is very much an elemental part of this experience. It's the music. Absolutely. It is the music and mm -hmm. the song choices, the six song choices that they made. It almost is like they were, you feel like they were written for and on the attraction because of those beats. And the six songs are September by Earth, Wind and Fire. That was a late seventies song, which I love the Tramps Disco Inferno. Jeremiah's favorite Miami Sound Machines Conga, <laughs> which is from the mid eighties. I love, I didn't get it, but I love, love, love Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears for Fears. Flock of Seagulls, Where Are You Now? with Iran and Blondies, One Way or Another. 
again, these songs range from the mid-70s through the mid-80s. It is right in my wheelhouse. I, I love this music and this time period. And there's this combination of disco and sort of this more sort of new wave um, rock later on in the 80s. And then you're like, wait a minute. Everybody Wants to Rule the World is so different tonally and tempo, but everybody I know who got it said, yeah, man, like it just totally works. And it felt like a completely different experience between Disco Inferno and Everybody Wants to Rule the World. So my first ride, of course, I had Conga. <laughs> if I never have to hear that song again, not that it's a bad song for the attraction, uh, you know, I grew up in the, the time period of MTV and that video was a nonstop on there every other video. Um, so I didn't, was never fond of it. And then getting it, you know, the seven times that I wrote it just hit that point where all I really wanted was I ran, but my second ride was everyone's to rule the world, uh -huh. which was a completely different feel. I only got that twice during the entire time. And it, it it is something like the this the the quick snap in your head of wait this isn't really the rock song this isn't the disco song this is kind of the alt you know this and i ran are the two that i really wanted and it works so perfectly and the beats on it and one of the worst things is that the second ride that i got this on or my second ride that i ended up having the song on was also my rider cam so you can see me singing along to it to my writer cam. <laughs> I had um, Conga twice, <laughs> go figure, and I ran were the were the three songs that I had. I really wanted one way or another. I I, I could just imagine how that would feel uh, as listening to that song because it's one of my favorite songs from that time period. But it, it was it was a different experience between the two different songs. And uh, I, I adored Iran. I, I would say that when I went through it for the first two, it was almost like the audio, or maybe it's my hearing. I'm not sure, but the the song was maybe a little higher than the um, than the narrative. So especially the first time, I could barely hear what the narrative was going on behind the songs, but in a way I didn't care because I was so into the music, which makes you want to uh, much like, again, mission breakout, you want to get off and get back on to get a new song, which is such a great part of that experience uh, to begin with. Again, it's a party and a ride. You get on there, you realize how, how smooth it is. You then just get into the music and the people around you who are giggling it is an experience from beginning to end, and the music is definitely a huge part of it. So what I love, and if you really pay attention, or if you were around the same age as me and you know the lyrics to these songs, I love the fact that not only do the song beats just sort of feel like they match the the, the story beats of, of the attraction, but if you listen really carefully or pay attention carefully to the lyrics, the lyrics also sort of tie... At, the choices by the Imagineers in these songs has to be intentional because the lyrics also sort of correlate a little bit to the attraction itself. Everybody wants to rule the world one way or another. Isan, we're going to find you. We're going to get you. Like, I, I love the fact that they connect those dots for us. And one of the things that the Imagineers mentioned was that 
they literally went through like a hundred different songs, and a lot of the songs that didn't make the on ride playlist are actually found in the exit corridor. So your exit music is going to be. Oh wait, going back to Easter eggs. Uh, one of the things too we one, that we forgot. There's almost sort of a little Easter egg in the exit corridor because as you exit the attraction, there is a mirror there. There's almost like a full length mirror with um, uh, words written in in Zandarian. Which is because you're technically backstage, much like cast members are, before you step on stage, there's a mirror to make sure your costume and everything is appropriate. I, I think that tribute is almost really more for the the cast members to acknowledge, to, to be acknowledged in the attraction. Jeremiah? I Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead, Becky. I'm looking for something. Oh, I was going to say, I, I loved that. That was my favorite Easter egg of the entire thing. When we came down the stairs off the attraction, I'm already giggling like crazy. It's like, wait, look, there's a mirror. And as you remember, for some of us who have long hair, and if you want to look at any of the pictures of me on the ride, I look like Cousin It because your hair is all over the place. I'm thinking, that's really cool. You can stop and, and check your hair. And then I looked at the um, at the writing, which, of course, needs to be translated. Luckily, I had somebody who could translate it for me. So I do have the full translation of that, um, the the print that's on there. But it is a nod to, you know, like you said, cast members, when you're, you're going on stage, you stop and there's always a mirror before you have those on stage areas. So you can just check your costume, make sure everything is good. So it's kind of set up for those Xandarian um uh, cast members to to check themselves before they go on stage but i love that part of the the narrative that's in that translation is everybody neat and pretty which obviously is a wonderful nod to everything but the translation i actually have up on my facebook page on my instagram um so jeremiah if you need some more letters i've got all of those. i i was actually <laughs> just looking um mac our resident marvel nerd uh, beyond me, I know that something's here, translated and sent it to me. I can't find it. But that was one of the other, when I cornered the WDI folk, we'll just call it what it is. Uh, <laughs> because you weren't meant to go on a ride or you were supposed to just take a tour and then go down. When you come back onto the ship in your star jumpers, you're backstage. And that's why before the final pre-show, the font looks different. The colors are more of the basic gray and you're all backstage for that, which again, it, it takes, you know, it, thankfully this is, this is where I really learned to appreciate Lou when he first started with the random talked WI, WDI. So we could find out what things were, if not for us and these, you know, random few things, Lou time to write a new book. Um, <laughs> these stories wouldn't exist. I mean, most people will just walk off and go, okay, this isn't anything. Just like you guys, when I first saw that mirror, I was like, that's something unique. And then hearing the stories of the backstage and as a former cast member, seeing that mirror and then knowing that everybody neat and pretty, it just definitely triggered the, the inner Disney kid. In yeah, exactly. I love that. I and just love that. as as and I I my hand to God, I'm not kidding. I literally just got a Facebook message from my friend Angela who says in all caps, which means she's screaming this Nepcot, pure joy. OMG, that was amazing. I'm sure she's referring to 
Cosmic Rewind and not the waffle in the cafe, which we will get to Ooh. on another show. Thanks. But I also have be. another message from Imagineering, and it's specifically for you, Jeremiah. It says, come on, shake your body, baby, do that conga. I know you can't control yourself any longer. Come on, baby, shake your body. I know you can't control yourself any longer. Do it. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> As if you didn't get it enough time. But this is, again, it goes to that rewritability uh, mm-hmm. factor because now it's 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 a quest, a quest for fun. It's a quest for I want to get this song. It's the same thing that we have over in Mission Breakout and just works so, so very well. Yeah, I, you know, one of the things, I made a joke early on that I was going to write it 20 times. I, as the day started to go on, I knew that wasn't possible because work. Um, But by the end of the day, I just wanted the other two songs. That's Mm -hmm. all I really cared about. I ran and Disco Inferno, and I'm not even a big Disco Inferno fan, but that, I feel like that will be a different feeling than everything else. But I ran was the one that I called out as, this is the one song that I want. So can I ask a question for those of you who did 12 and or many more than I did? So are the audio tracks, the narratives, are they different for each song as well? I think you alluded to that, but I'm, I want to make sure that I know that because so, I, I couldn't hear them. There are six songs with three audio tracks. Okay. Um, the conga and everyone's to rule the world. One way or another, and what's the other song I'm thinking of, Flu? September? September, thank you. Uh, Those are the same, and then I'm guessing Iran and Disco Inferno have the same one. And there isn't a lot of difference. Um, You know, the Ding Dang, Big Bang seems (laughs) to be the same on all of them. Pulling into the exit that video does not have any association with the song, but there are different bits, including probably the one thing I laughed more than anything. When you're going around the Milky way, Drax has a comment and (laughs) both I heard made me laugh till I was leaving the building. I won't spoil that. (laughs) That's good. That's a fun one. That's awesome. It does seem like um, when you're pulling into the end and it's, you know, Every person comes out tired or who named that. Those those two are the difference. And then, of course, around the planet, around the Milky Way. Jeremy, I also got another follow-up text message oh, from this oh anonymous Imagineer who says, <laughs> burn, baby, burn, burn that mother down, burn, baby, burn, Disco Inferno. <laughs> Satisfaction came. I'm tempted to sing. I'm not going to sing. Satisfaction came in the Oh, come on. Reaction. You can do it. Wait, you know, one thing we didn't mention, too, that was mm-hmm. a, a huge surprise to me is we are not getting, like, very tiny snippets of these songs. This is a very long yeah. attraction. Like, like surprisingly, it's one of the longest, and Disney does not you like to use superlatives, but it is one of the longest superlative, uh, one of the longest indoor roller coasters ever built, and it feels like a long experience, which I loved i was expecting it to be over a lot quicker and it wasn't and i dig that and appreciate it isn't it like four minutes i think um i think it's three minutes let me i i took notes um 
but that was, it was, it was a pleasant surprise that I, 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 we've gone on some attractions where you start and it's like, Oh, it's over so quickly. Yeah. It, and I kind of thought that would be it. Three minutes from the time you leave the load station okay. to the time when you pull in. But again, that can vary. Um, one of the other funny things that I love WDI and their, Hey, we're going to tell you a great story. You will never experience it, but you're going to, I'm going to tell you a great story. Apparently, if there's a delay when you're on the attraction, um, Terry Cruz's character comes up and it has some very funny and Easter eggy oh. things to say. <laughs> so now we want it to break down. I, Is that what we're saying? I was on it <laughs> and we launched. And as we were launching, for some reason, the audio on the, the delay audio was still playing. So I'm like putting my head down next to the speaker trying to hear anything. Couldn't. But, you know. Again, this attraction has it all. I don't think there's a single bad part of this attraction. I do want to quickly mention, without going too far into it, because I did post photos and, and a short video, but when you exit the attraction, you don't exit into a gift shop, but you do pass one along the way. You need to go into the Treasures of Xandar. Not just because those amazing retro vibes continue but i love how again according to story the broker from the original guardians of the galaxy he is the one who is offering up these guardians of the galaxy themed clothing items costumes toys collectibles home decor accessories and the stories that the zandarians hired him to open up this new merchandise location on Terra, and there are all these different product lines, including what if the Guardians were rocks were were rock stars, which was inspired by concert tees of the seventies and eighties. There's the Heroes of Xandar collection, which allows you to imagine you were one of these galactic, not like a Buzz Lightyear, but a galactic hero. There's um, the the Through the Eyes of Quill collection has that Peter Quill going back to the 80s nostalgic vibe. There's the Honorary Guardians collection. So you can sort of be and sort of show off your rank as if you were a Honorary Guardians of the Galaxy. And there's the Groot Through the Years collection. Lots of different toys. There's also some things that weren't out yet, like the Yondu fin that mm-hmm. lights up and has the 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 arrow. Like there's a lot. They are going to pay for this attraction in the first week because the merch <laughs> is so super cool. And I could okay. not help but smile at that retro Epcot map T-shirt that said spaceships on it. Yes, and oh, it's just so smart. And and that coffee mug with the hex- hexagonal yeah. cuff mug, really, really well done merch. My, I, my, go ahead, Becky. I was just going to say, my only thing is who thought it was a good idea to bring fanny packs back? That's, that's my only Everybody thought they were fanny packs. I know. That's just showing my age because I went through that through one you know time period and we're going back to that. Becky, I, I never I, stopped wearing fanny packs. Now finally I'll stop getting beaten up. <laughs> So but you there put are a turtleneck with the chains around it too. You hang out the rock, right? <laughs> Listen, it. I've got my capizios and my cavalry cheese and my hypercolor t-shirt. Uh, oh my god, oh, if I can hypercolor a hypercolor t-shirt. t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they need. Oh, don't get my idea. Well, no, it's probably I'm, on the way. I'm literally gonna look on, on eBay right now for a hypercolor t-shirt. 
going to say they're, they're probably just sitting out on a boat um, waiting to be offloaded. So who am I kidding? Well, <laughs> talking about hypercolor, did you get a chance to see the other mug that they have? Um, they have a Guardians Galaxy mug, and on the front it has the logo, and on the back it has the picture of Peter and Meredith from their trip to Epcot, and it lights up when you put hot water in it. Oh, yeah, that's so cool. That, and there's also, um, I think it was one of the notebooks or something, has the same photo on the inside, and you have to warm it up by rubbing it, and then you can see the photo. So really, hypercolor is back. There we go. And then and Peter Cole's jacket, too. I know that that's going to be something that everybody is going to to I want. I will tell you, it runs a little it. snug. I tried one on a live video. I had to I had to bump up a size. It's, it's <laughs> and it's Florida. We don't need it. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, the merchandise is is super, super cool. And, and like the attraction, there's there's something for everyone um, there is a unique photo pass there's a couple of unique photo pass opportunities including getting your picture in a photo pass passport uh, that you can have on your my disney experience app obviously the attraction opens on may 27th it is one of many firsts right it's the first coaster at epcot it's the first reverse launch for disney coaster it's the first they're calling it an omni coaster and it's the first Walt Disney World attraction that we get to feature Guardians of the Galaxy. And what I think it really is not a first of, but continues to demonstrate is the remarkable imagination in Imagineering, in being able to seamlessly integrate so many different things into this attraction. And you were talking about sort of how this attraction ranks Jeremiah in terms of intensity and accessibility the question that i found was being posed and continues to be posed and i think will be for a long time is you know where does this attraction rank overall in walt disney world it you know is it the best coaster in walt disney world a lot of people were a resounding yes is it the best coaster in any disney park that's another conversation mm. but it's tough not to get caught up in the initial hype when you first get off the attraction but where does this rank for you in terms of walt disney world attractions and it's, i know you can't compare guardians of the galaxy with you know a, a slow moving boat ride but in terms of whatever sort of how you qualify this and define it where do you sort of rank this attraction in, in overall disney attractions um so this was a, a tough one for me. And I, I have to go a little bit of backstory. I had the chance to ride Pirates in Shanghai. Came back and the first thing I said to a friend was, that is the best attraction in the world, period. His response was, you haven't ridden Mission Breakout yet. Hmm. and I will admit when I rode Mission Breakout, that for being a basic drop, not even tower here good, the addition of the Guardians made that attraction easy in the conversation for the top five. Cosmic Rewind, I will say top three. I won't say which is which, 
character rise and mission breakout which is funny because none of those three are disney properties but hey interesting i'm with you with i'm gonna say in the top five because i mean i did too i was able to ride pirates in shanghai and that that's way up there. Along oh yeah, no, I'm I'm going just Disney World. Just Disney World, okay. Because I, I was going to say, if I do top, if I'm looking at the entire planet of Disneyness, I'm looking at top five because there's, yeah, and it might might be up there in the in the top three. I really have to think about that. That's a great <laughs> question because I could I could easily go, yeah, it's in the top three. But I, in all honesty, I mean, it's it's great. It's an awesome ride. If you're looking at just Disney World, then yeah, clearly it's it's going to be top three. So I'm going to say top three for Disney World, top five for international. Yeah, I mean, there were people, and, and I certainly want to hear from you who's listening, when you get to ride this, where do you place this in the, the, the Disney World conversation in terms of how you define what is the, the, the best or not? And then again, overall internationally is, is another uh, question. A whole another conversation. There, what I think there, this does do, though, is, and again, I, I try not to get caught up in the, the sometimes the trap of of superlatives and, and hyperbole, but I think this is a game changer attraction, and and I, I wanted to take time before I said it when I first got off, and it's been a few days, and I, and I still feel that way in terms of how we define what a quote unquote e ticket attraction is. I think it is one that very clearly raises the bar, not just for Disney, but for everybody else, which is a good thing for us as mm-hmm. guests and visitors. But I think it does. I think calling it a game changer attraction is is very much applicable for so many of the reasons that we just touched on. Agree or disagree? Absolutely. I, I, I'm going to totally agree with that and also say that it just had that motion feel, you know, uh, the, the attractions like Rise and and Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway that have that trackless system. While this coaster is on a track, it's moving so freely and so smoothly that it almost feels like, like that trackless floating. It's it's a it's a game changer in a lot of ways. But the way it made me feel when I was on board that attraction because of the the motion and what it was not doing or doing to my body as we moved around. Um, it, it's really exciting how technology has come forward. And like you said, it raises a bar and makes you wonder what the next bar is. I, one of the things that I, I found myself definitely cha- channeling Lou Mangello in the statement was when people were asking me what I thought of it, it, it goes back to the original star tours. That was something we never experienced before something brand new it was the game changer and it had the comedy it had the humor and that is everything that this attraction has it it brings everything into the 21st century of what we need to start looking at you know yes i'm a big fan of dark rides the the track list that's all something that is great i love it but this combined everything like humor dark ride coaster thrill and again humor to no end and it's one that i am incredibly excited to ride once again experience it again with with friends and family 
especially watching them experiencing it for the first time and seeing <laughs> their reaction when they come off. Um, Becky, you mentioned, I think that if you're wondering, curious, frightened, if you if you are able to ride it at least once, absolutely do it. When Lightning Lane becomes available, do it, but make sure, make sure you do the queue at least once um, so yep. you can experience it. And there was one other thing in the queue that I wanted to point out too, because you were talking about, um, well, we were talking about the photo pass and the pictures that we ended up with. And again, cousin it picture was going to be fabulous. But remember when you're moving from the first room to the second room and they had that cube, the QR cube, Mm -hmm. which uh, make sure to scan that so that it automatically connects to your, my Disney experience so that you do get that photo right when you get off the the attraction. Um, I loved that ability. So you stop and it does, it does say it's this little QR cube and it does tell you what it's for. So it's, you know, not an Easter egg per se, but stop and get that so that you can immediately see those pictures so you can take a look at how funny you looked like I did. (laughs) You wrote it. Any, Um, uh, Jeremiah and Becky, any last thoughts? So Lou, do you mind if I do one plug for something that is not our normal area? Um, When you, the first thing I noticed when I got off the attraction was something that is very unique to only two attractions in Epcot. And one is Mission Space, and one is this attraction. Uh, An open-top trash can. (laughs) So there's a long story behind the open-top trash cans that goes back to Mission Space. But I stepped off, and the first person I thought of that I had to contact, and this is something that is going outside the the norm of the Disney groups, magicaltrash.com focuses on <laughs> trash cans of Disney parks around the world. I'm not saying that I've submitted and probably have featured more trash cans than any other human being in the world, but that just the fact that they, they brought in the open top trash cans. And when I asked the Imagineers about that, they said, Oh, well, because this is supposed to be backstage, those theme trash cans that you see of which there are two different ones throughout the queue don't fit in backstage area. So they just left the open top trash cans. Those of you that can read between the lines understand why an open top trash can on a coaster that does have some spinning factors, maybe a good thing right there to unload. <laughs> a little future, and, a little the, um, out of this world protein spill. Yeah, exactly. Ew, ew. So having said that, I'm going to make sure that people know just what you said that you probably won't have to use it. Yeah. <laughs> so just, just make sure that you, you give it a try. Don't be afraid of it. Um, it, it really doesn't have the elements that you may have experienced in rock and roller coaster or others that, that make us kind of step back. Um, again, smooth, easy, doesn't flip you upside down. The launch is easy on your body. Uh, the middle row, I'm right there with you. I did some, the, the last one, I did something that was a little closer to the front, but it was, it was a little bit more intense. So I would say that row five, six, or seven, and you can ask for those rows. So don't be afraid to ask for the rows if you want to. Um, so just give it a try because I think you'll have a great time, a party with your friends and see how many of these songs that you can get. And if you can, if you have the opportunity, the only thing that could make your ride on Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind better is like me. I had the very fortunate um, occasion to ride 
with Jeremiah and Becky. So if you happen to see them in the parks, grab them and ride with them because it only enhances your experience. Jeremiah Good from Laughing Place, tell people where they can find you. Uh, laughingplace.com, laughing underscore place on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I'm just at Jeremiah Good on all socials. I'm always in the park. Well, most of the time I'm in the park. And uh, I'm just... Happy to be here, Lou. Thank you for the invite, <laughs> sir. And Becky Mankin, now that everyone's excited to go and ride Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind, tell them where they can find you and book their trip over at Mouse. Well, I'm going to tell them for you. Book their trip over at MouseFanTravel.com. MouseFanTravel.com or MEI-Travel.com. And I am Becky Mankin on all the socials. So follow along. Put- I will put links to all of those in that. Wait, one. Wait a second. What? The texts are literally coming in. Oh, and no. It just, and nobody knows it's that we're recording. It just, no. Hold on. This one says, wait, uh-huh. I can't stand this indecision. Married <laughs> with a lack of vision. Everybody wants to rule the world. Say that you'll never, 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 never need it. Only headline. Why believe it? Everybody wants to rule the world. Jeremiah, Becky, Everybody at WDI, the incredible cast members, thank you, thank you, thank you for this gift of Cosmic yep. Rewind. I can't wait to do it again. I know. But I, I don't want to ride with Jeremiah because he's going to end up getting Congo one more time. I know. I don't want to ride with me either because no I already got it twice. I want to get one way or another. go and pick whatever song you wanted, which one would you pick? Go. One way or another. Maybe September? No. So September was the... I had two that I did not want. September and um, Conga. And September was, wasn't was bad. But in my head, I only have a September stuck from uh, Night at the Museum. And that's <laughs> all I can think of when I hear that. So that killed it. Do you remember, oh the, the, uh, do you remember the 21st night of September? Love was changing the mind of pretenders. Chasing the clouds away. Our hearts were ringing. And the key our souls were ringing. It was two days before my birthday. (laughs) It's time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week where you can test your knowledge or your memory and enter for a chance to win a Disney prize package. This week's trivia contest is brought to you by you. Because as part of the WW Radio Nation, you help bring every episode of WW Radio to life, every live broadcast, the contests and giveaways are all thanks to, by, for, and about you. And you can find out how you can help the show for as little as a dollar per month and get cool exclusive rewards every month like scavenger hunts, trivia quests, participate in our group video calls, get access to our private Facebook group, shirts, stickers, monthly care packages, and much more. I want to thank some of the new members of the WW Radio family, including Samantha Spina, just John, Jackie York, Elizabeth Stuckman, and Amanda Messina. I sincerely appreciate your love, support, friendship, and help. But of course, don't forget that a portion of your contribution goes to our Dream Team project to benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. Thanks to you, we've raised more than $550,000 for Make-A-Wish to help children with life-threatening illnesses and their families come to Walt Disney World. To find out more, join the nation. You can visit www.radio.com support. Now, before we get to this week's question, let's go back, review last week's, and select our winner. 
So last week we were talking about Disney's Fort Wilderness Resort and Campground and some of the lost concepts that never were, including the oh-so-very fascinating Mark Davis concept for the Fort Wilderness Funhouse. But your question last week was to tell me, what is the name of the beach at Fort Wilderness? Thanks to so many of you that entered, got this one correct, and knew that the answer is, of course, Clementines. And if you've never been there before, it's actually one of the largest beaches on Walt Disney World property, definitely one of the shadiest of all the beaches and a great place to watch the electrical water pageant at night. Anyway, I took all the correct entries, randomly selected one, and last week you were playing for an exclusive WW Radio pin, keychain, and bonus mystery prize. And last week's winner, randomly selected, is Chris Bonifacio. So Chris, congratulations. I have your shipping address. I will get your prize package out here right away. If you played last week and didn't win, that's okay because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So this week, we're obviously going to stay with and at Guardians of the Galaxy. And this week, I want you to tell me, it's not really a Walt Disney World question, but tell me, what are the names of Peter Quill's ships, plural, in the Guardians of the Galaxy film? Now, you already know one. I talked about it on this week's show. It is from his 1980s TV sitcom, Crush, and as for the other, it's mentioned in the second Guardians film. It's also from the 80s. Ships are usually named after women. I'm saying too much already. You can figure it out if you don't know it already. Just tell me the names of Peter Quill's ships in the Guardians of the Galaxy films. And this week, you are not playing for a WW Radio pin and keychain, although I might throw in as well. But you are playing for an exclusive Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind item. This is a Walt Disney Imagineering exclusive pin that was only available at D23 Expo low those years ago, and it's a limited edition of 400. It comes in a box. It is the God Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind logo. It is very cool. You cannot find these anywhere, and I think it'll make a very nice addition to your collection. Even if you don't have a collection, it'll make a very nice start to your collection. So to enter, go to WDWRadio.com, click on this week's podcast, use the online form there. You have until Sunday, May 14th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern to enter. So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in this and every week. I'd love to hear your thoughts on Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. You can come be part of the community and conversation by being part of our WW Radio Clubhouse on Facebook at www.radio.com slash clubhouse. I'd also love to connect with you elsewhere online. I am at Lou Mangiello on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and be sure to like the WW Radio page on Facebook at facebook.com slash WW Radio and be sure to turn on notifications on the page and in the Clubhouse group. This way you don't miss anything including our live Facebook broadcast every Wednesday 7.30pm Eastern. I'm sometimes out and about as we talk and walk and ride sometimes eat from the parks or I do my top 5 live Disney Plus pick of the week, your questions contests, trivia games and lots more again every Wednesday at 7.30pm Eastern. Also be sure and join our spoiler support group to talk all things Disney, Marvel and Star Wars and Disney Plus spoilers at www.radio.com slash spoilers. 
And of course, as much as I love connecting with you online, nothing continues to beat a handshake and a hug. And if you go to our events page at www.radio.com slash events, you can find out about all the events we have coming up in person, on land, at sea, in May. Stay tuned for our meet of the month. I'm not sure exactly when that's going to happen. I'm also going to be live next weekend from Megacon in Orlando. If you're going to be there, let me know. We can meet up and say hi. I'm also going to be at Star Wars Celebration in Anaheim Thursday, May 26th through Sunday, May 29th. And in addition to going live from the show floor, which is why it's important to turn on notifications, I'm also going to be recording a live podcast on the podcast stage at Celebration. So if you're there, come be part of the audience. I'm going to have giveaways, including some special stuff from the Star Cruiser. And then obviously I'll have that episode up in the feed once I get back. On the events page, you can also find out about our upcoming cruises, our October 1st cruise on the Disney Wish, our very merry time cruise on the Wish December 5th, and our April 15th Disney Fantasy 8-night overnight in Bermuda and Bahamas cruise. Again, you can get a free no-obligation quote from our friends over at Mouse Fan Travel by visiting www.radio.com cruise. I also love to help you not just by connecting you and bringing you some of this Disney, Marvel, and Star Wars magic, but by helping you turn what you love into what you do through speaking, coaching, my weekly mastermind group, which is forming now, launching in June, and other events. You can go to loumangelo.com, find out how we can work together one-on-one in those small groups. My Momentum Weekend Workshop in Walt Disney World is coming back this fall and by coming to speak to your conference, your event, or to your school. And if you like the show, and I hope that you do, all I ask is that you please help spread the word. Share a link to this or your favorite episode on social. Tag and invite a friend to watch, be part of the community, the conversation, and to subscribe to the show. And if you can, take just a couple of seconds to rate and review the show over at Apple Podcasts. It is incredibly helpful. I want to thank some recent reviewers like Victoria B 523 who says, It's full of heart. Lou truly loves Disney and will make you too. And M Mouse 20,000 says it's clean, kind, and educational. I'm a high school special ed teacher. Quick aside, thank you for what you do. And worked as a lifeguard at Typhoon Lagoon with the college program back in 1996. I'm a lifelong Disney history nerd, always eager to learn new tidbits. Thank you for a podcast that is clean, kind, and free of politics. Always has been, always will be. I never have to worry about the content no matter who is in the car. I do that by design, believe me. We don't get to Walt Disney World very often, our last trip was 10 years ago, but we're planning a holiday this trip this December. I'm excited to get in the car each day to listen and learn. This was definitely God's calling for you. Blessings, Teresa Ireland. Teresa, thank you so much. You, I, I'm incredibly grateful for what you said. And just to make a, a, to reiterate a point, being clean, being kind, and just talking about the things that simply make us happy about this place and the things that we love is what this show is all about. It is meant to be a way and a place for you to go and escape even for just a little while from the realities of the real world. And my hope is that the positivity and the feeling that you get by listening will carry forward because I really do believe that if you spread positivity, positivity will spread. There's a reason why I talk about choosing the good in what and who you encounter. There's so much to be happy and thankful for, and there's so much out there that is negative. Finding and choosing the good is more important than ever, and it's up to you to do that 
and to share that with other people as well. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I know this was a long episode. There was a lot we wanted to make sure that we covered about our excitement for Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. And I just want you to know how much I love you, how much I appreciate you. And if there's ever anything that I can do for you, please just reach out and let me know. I hope that this is your best week ever. I look forward to seeing you again here next week and on the live broadcast this Wednesday night. So until next time, see ya. Hi, this is Jen from Connecticut. I've never called before on a podcast, but just wanted to say thank you for your podcast I just discovered in the last few weeks. Like, bringing back being home, uh, it just makes me feel so crazy because I'm the only one that is my people that love Disney as much as we do. But anyway, the Smell uh, podcast, and my smell isn't unique to Disney World, but more Florida, and I used to take students. Um, to Disney World on a field trip from Connecticut as students who would need a lot of fundraising to go. And it was a smell first in the morning. I'd get up really early to get my coffee before I started waking kids up to get ready. And it was that humidity smell. I, I, I don't know if it is humidity, but that smell of Floridian mornings um, that just makes me think Disney World uh, and just makes me instantly smile when I'm there uh, and just brings floods of memory of nostalgia with my own family and then being able fundraise and bring students to go on so that's my smell but thank you so much for all that you do and take care hi it's elizabeth from massachusetts um wow i've had a very busy like two and a half weeks but essentially i was in disney world for the springtime run and lou and running family i saw you guys but by the time i processed that it was all of you on the boardwalk I ran right by and <laughs> didn't even realize. Um, and then we all know that if you try to turn around on that course, it's not happening. Um, and not really safe. But anyway, it was so nice to actually see you guys in person, um, even though you didn't know I saw you. Uh, and then number two, I was back in Disney World again this past weekend um, over the Easter weekend with an old college roommate um, and just got to enjoy Disney World together, which was a ton of fun. I had some DVC points I had to use before they expired, so we got to use them, and it was fabulous. Um, so can't say enough nice things about Kidani Village and the Savannah Rooms and how fabulous and immersive they are. Um, just finished listening to your latest episode about the smells and revisiting the smells and a ton of fun to listen. My number one smell, 100%, no matter what, or I guess it's kind of two. I'm cheating. Um, Jungle Cruise, the, like, queue line smell, how the, it kind of, like, smells like rope and wood, I guess. It's, like, the best way to describe it. But then there is, like, a slightly, I guess, musty, but also just, like, water smell that you obviously have while you're on the attraction. Um, that, for me, is my number one. I was mesmerized by that ride as a small child. And to this day, that smell brings me right back uh, to Disney World and my first memories being there. And then my second one, just as an adult, because Pirates of the Caribbean is definitely probably my top two favorite attractions, as I said before, calling it. Um, that smell is just unmatched. And Lisa's candle for it, the Castillo, Castillo Adel Moro, is fabulous. Fabulous, fabulous, fabulous. I've bought them before. Um, it's the perfect, like, you know, uh, fiery, kind of musty, sense that you get in that attraction so she does a fabulous job i cannot recommend her candles enough um and you can tell that 
they are made with all the Disney magic love um, that she, as a person, also has and communicates about. So, yeah, awesome show. Um, just wanted to say hi. Hope everyone's doing great. Stay magical. Make someone else's day magical and be magical. Talk to you all real soon. Bye. Hello, Lou Mangello. It's Darlene Nagy, formerly of West Seneca, New York, and currently living in Central Florida. And just want to say thank you for having that meetup at Everglades Donuts at Disney Springs this past weekend. It was a beautiful day. There was no rain. And it was so nice to see our WDW radio family. And the Funky Chicken was everything you ever told me it was. I finally had it. I shared it with Debbie. And now to the countdown. We have the WDW Radio Disney Wish inaugural cruise in 96 days. I'm sure Lou is like going, 96 days? What? (laughs) Have a magical day. Stay positive like Lou always says. Love and hugs.